After what feels like an absolute age, Luton Town are at Kenworth Road in Premier League action again on Tuesday night when Brighton and Hove Albion are the visitors. Alongside me to preview the game is regular guest of the Lutonian journalist, James Cunliffe. James, you ready for some Premier League football under the lights at the Kenny? Been a long while. It has been too long. Yeah, we'll preview it after this intro. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. Uh, I'm Kev, as I said before the intro. James is alongside me as always and we're previewing the return fixture from the opening Premier League game of the season. Uh, Brighton and Hove Albion visitors to Kenworth Road. Last time I remember Brighton coming to Kenworth Road, James, was the JPT semi-final in 2009 so it's 15 years ago and I, well they haven't they haven't come since then have they because we haven't been in the same division as then <laughs> since no. so um very much a game to look forward to for a few reasons obviously it'll be a good game because Brighton are a good team to watch but this will be the classic how much of Luton improved game of football because we were a bit green around the gills weren't we when we went down there a little bit I mean Alan Shearer in hindsight was actually quite right we were a bit naive compared to where we are now we will get a real indication in this game of just how far we've come in this division. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it seems a lifetime away, that game. And the the change in Luton um, is so much more impressive since then. Um, you know, it, it probably would have been fair for pundits to say that Luton are in a bit of bother after that first game. I mean, a bit premature, albeit, but they're all changing their tune now. Um and yeah, not quite out of the relegation zone yet, but obviously still got that game in hand. And um, I, I, yeah, I'm far more confident about this one than say if you'd asked me immediately after that um, trip down to down to Sussex, because Luton are, are going really well, and um, yeah, Brighton had a great weekend in the cup as well, but uh, in the league, it's not particularly gone that well for them in recent. Weeks and months. No, it hasn't. Three wins in their last 15 Premier League games. If you'd bet 1-1 in Brighton games, you'd be akin to winning the lottery in recent times because there's an awful lot of 1-1 draws. I mean, that game down there for all the 4-1 looks bad. We should remember it was only 2-1 until Pelly tried to do something that he shouldn't have done in his own penalty box. That's not going to happen on Tuesday night. And then, of course, you know, we're tired and they... Got one, had got another one in injury time. Wasn't as bad as it looked. Um, but they're a good side. Like you say, they've just put five past Sheffield United. I don't know if that's much of a barometer in terms of a form guide. Burnley did that. Indeed. Um, but the two games previous to that, they failed to score against Wolves, failed to score against West Ham. And as I say, they are struggling to get over the line in winning games of football. Just three in 15 Premier League games. Yes, there's injuries, a lot of injuries. Yes, they're playing European football for the first time. But that's a long period of time for just three wins. I mean, you know, even Luton have got three Premier League wins in that time. So given all the plaudits that they get, rightly so for the football that they play, form-wise, there isn't a great deal between these two teams. 
No, not at the moment. I mean, they'll have, they'd have had that boost from playing so well in the in the cup, but um, and they've played so well in the European competitions as well. They've done fantastically well, and it's somewhat taken the the shine off their Premier League um, experience. Well, you know, after that first game, everybody was tipping them to be challenging for top six, even maybe even an outside bet for a top four. I think they're probably that's slipped a bit now. Um, I imagine they could probably still make top six, but I don't think they're going to be a top four team on the form that they're on. And that these are all things really that Luton can potentially capitalise on. I mean, they certainly they're not they're not conceding the amount of goals that that first game suggested, even as rightly you say that um, I think you can almost sort of discount those first two goals uh, in the way they came about because it was never a 4-1, uh, never a 4-1 game, but um, they're, they're harder to beat, especially at home. You, you've got to have all the confidence in the world because you've you've given Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, Manchester City and Newcastle really good games. And, um, you know, there's as good a football as Brighton play, um, the the football that Manchester City were playing was was different level as well, and Luton coped. Yeah, we did. Yeah, um, a lot of Brighton injuries to good players as well, which is a good thing for us. I mean, if you think back to that opening day of the season, uh, Keru Mitoma basically tore us a new one. He wouldn't have played anyway because he'd have been at the Asian Cup. Um, but he's out with injury. Simon Adingra uh, scored the fourth goal that afternoon. My memory serves me right might have been the third one they all blended into one uh, at the end he's away at the Africa Cup of Nations they've got Solly March score of the opening goal that day he's out injured uh, they've got some other um, injured players Ansu Fati's uh, got a good reputation on loan from Barcelona he's also out injured so there's a, a lot of injuries to deal with and I was just thinking it's a rare game that we're playing against the team and we, we haven't got someone coming up against their former club but then News breaks over the weekend that we might be coming up against one of our former players in this game. I don't know if Keenan Dewsbury Hall A will sign and B play in the game even if he has signed. But if they sign Keenan Dewsbury Hall, we know full well they're getting a mighty, mighty good footballer. They, yes, really. I mean, he wasn't in the squad, was he, for Leicester in the cup? So it suggests there might be something in it. And they're certainly £30 million is the price tag being bandied about. We've all seen. Keenan Jewsby Hall and uh, everything that he did in that season and we'd have loved him to stay I mean um, he's been it was a revelation then unfortunately it was behind closed doors and uh, the fans weren't in to see it but they they took to him anyway um, from when they were watching from their sofas during lockdown but he was a wonderful wonderful player um, sort of <laughs> it's remarkable We you can say this a lot about Luton but it just shows how far they've come that um, it's not forgotten, but we've got Ross Barkley now, so it's like different different levels. But um, he's a top top talent, really, and I'm surprised that Leicester even contemplating it because it looks like they're going to be shoe ins to be back in the Premier League, um, and that's his hometown club. So you you imagine that um, you know from a personal level, we might want to stay there, but you're not going to turn down the opportunity to play in Europe. I don't know if you can get in that squad. Um, I haven't looked into that, but uh, a team that's going to be pushing for those sorts of competitions, uh, 
um, as long as they improve their form and hopefully not a Kenilworth Road. Yep, he would get into their European squad. I'm guessing it's an FFP thing, which is why Leicester are letting him go. Because like you say, they'll be a Premier League team next season, won't they? Uh, that's for sure. It's a weird thing, isn't it? When Kean and Dewsbury Hall left us, if you'd said two seasons later, there's no guarantee he'd get into our midfield. I'd have called you barking, but let's be honest, with Sambi and Ross Barkley, he would certainly wouldn't be an automatic selection in the centre of our midfield, that's for sure. We don't know if Kiernan A is going to sign for them and B um going to play. If he does sign for them, I hope he comes out onto the pitch so that Luton fans can show the appreciation of him, of his efforts in that season, where it's just incredible, even like you say, even if we could only see it on a computer screen. But one man who is going to play and probably won't get quite the same reception is from the Luton fans anyway, is João Pedro, top scorer for Brighton this season. I think it's 19 overall this season, but only seven of those have come in the Premier League. So he's basically killed Europe and he scored a hat-trick against Sheffield United at the weekend. Gets a lot of penalties, this bloke. Falls down an awful lot for some of these penalties, has to be said. Hello, first game of the season. Um, so, yeah, we need to stop him from getting a penalty to take because I'm pretty sure I saw in the match of the day on Saturday night he hasn't missed one for Brighton yet. Um, he's a threat that we need to control. But the last time he was at Kenilworth Road, the only time we knew he was here was when he belted that ball three quarters of the way to Dunstable and got booked for it. So <laughs> if he wants to produce that performance again, happy days. He is going to have some crowd chip to put up with. He is, and hopefully that his output is the same as that uh, wonderful, wonderful day when Luton beat Watford. Because in the you have to say in the return in the fixture before that up at their place he was fantastic, and if he can if he can play like that he's a, he's ahead of a threat because that was playing that side which was rubbish, <laughs> and he was you know, head and shoulders their best player, but Luton gave him so much space at that in that game and he was able to run with the ball and cause so much havoc and I don't see that that, that happens in in this particular game but um, he's, he showed with one of those finishes at the weekend in the FA Cup the long range one that you only have to give him half a yard and he can stick it in the back of the net from you know 18, 20 yards so um, that is uh, it is a concern because you score a hat-trick against anyone in the FA Cup and the amount of goals he has been scoring um, he's he's going to be in confident form, so yeah, he's a he's a threat, and um, just just don't touch him in the box because we know what's going to happen. Yeah, don't touch him, don't breathe on him, don't do nothing to him on the box because you know, I mean, he wasn't even or he barely touched at their place and down like a sack of spuds. Um, they kind of sort of alternate between Evan Ferguson and Danny Welbeck, don't they? As their sort of main centre forward Pedro's playing the Matoma role out left at the minute I'm kind of hoping and I hope this doesn't come back to haunt me that it's Welbeck that they play with so I think we can deal with him a lot better than Ferguson Ferguson looks like a real talent to me and I don't know why they're not utilising that more whereas Welbeck you know what he does he's not going to surprise you now you just got to deal with it and um, yes he's had a good career England international Arsenal Manchester United now thriving at Brighton but I kind of feel with the defensive trio that we've got set up that we'd be able to deal with that. Yeah, I would see that Ferguson's a bit more of a threat because from what I've seen, and I know he's in a bit of a drought at the moment, but that's always worrying, isn't it? Because what is it? I think it's 10 games that he hasn't scored or it might have been 10 games before the Sheffield United Cup game. Um, that's always a worry. If any fan that knows a player that can finish like he can, he seems like he's quite a natural 
um, give him a chance and then he'll score. And so that, that is a worry. Um, so if in, for any reason he's not playing, that would be good. Yeah, he started the uh, game at their place on the bench, didn't he? It didn't, still didn't stop him coming on and scoring. So uh, hopefully he stays on the bench a wee bit longer this time. The other one that's fit and sort of dangerous, maybe not so much from a goal scoring point of view, but the man who ticks it all together uh, is Pascal Gross. I'm amazed how long it took him to become a German international because he's been a good player in the Premier League for a long, long time. Obviously, he'd be in the Alfie Doughty, Ross Barkley situation in that he only plays for Brighton. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. I really do like Brighton. But in the wider world, he only plays for Brighton. But, you know, he's a, he's a really, really good player. He's, he's just had international quality for a long time from whenever I've seen him. He is a really imp- impressive player. Um, and... Uh, one thing that really struck me, I mean, it's not necessarily about gross, but really about their play. And like you say, he's part of that engine that keeps it ticking, but um, they were passing gorgeous triangles around Sheffield United uh, and they, they couldn't cope with that whatsoever. So there's, there's something in there about pressing at the right time because we know Luton want to press, but, and hopefully they've learned the lesson from the first game that, that you press them relentlessly too much and too quickly and not at the right times, which is a difficult skill to master, but they will ping it round you. The one thing you would say, though, the big difference between that game, I mean, the big difference is obviously the experience we've got in the Premier League, but another difference from the the game on the opening day of the season to Kenworth Road is they stretch the pitch so wide. Mm. The two wingers are on each sideline, basically, and then they just give the midfielders all the space in the world to play. Well, I mean, if they try that, one's going to be at KFC and the other one's going to run over on Hammers away. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it, it's not necessarily going to be that easy this time, is it? And I think that's what Manchester City struggled with for that first hour, getting their wide players into the game because they kept, they were all inside, weren't they? Grealish was picking the ball up between the 18-yard line. Foden was doing the same thing. And if this lot are, are exactly the same, then we might find containing them slightly easier at Kenworth Road than what we did down there, regardless of the fact that we're a 10 times better side now. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, that can play its part. Uh, the atmosphere as well, night game, we'll know what that brings. But um, it, it, one of the, coming back to the original point you made, one of the very interesting things will be um, how much ball Luton can have because for three games now, they've had the most, they've had the most possession up around the 60 mark 60% mark and that's that's what average that's what Brighton average sorry is of 62% I think um, I'm right in seeing most in the league I think I'm right in saying including Manchester City yeah absolutely they they really do keep it well and play it well and like I say against Sheffield United um, the Blades couldn't cope whatsoever with their one touch passing it was it was wonderful but um, it would be a huge huge benchmark to see how Luke cope with that and I wouldn't I wouldn't be disappointed if they, for the first get, first time in four games, they didn't have the most amount of ball, but they've got to have more than they did at um, at their place down on the coast. But then it's about what you can do with it, isn't it? And um, certainly since then, um, well, we, we, we talk a lot about the set pieces, but also the record of goals in the in the final stages as well. Those Those things are hugely important, I think. Yeah, they really are. 
Uh, obviously, we're recording this ahead of Rob's press conference. We're recording Sunday night, so we can get this out to you relatively early. Uh, and Rob's press conference is on Monday. So we might be a bit sketchy team news wise, but we'll give it our best shot. We think Gabe Osho will be fine. We think he was rested as a precaution on Saturday. He's just had a few sort of uh, aches in his ankle, hasn't he? So you didn't need to risk him. And as it proved, we didn't need to risk him. There'll be no Issa Kabore. He's playing two hours earlier for. Burkina Faso. In fact, he might actually be playing at the same time. So I think they are the later game that night uh, against Mali. We wish him the best of luck in that round of 16 game. If they win, good for him and them. If they lose, he'll be back for Newcastle. So happy days. No marvellous Nakamba. That much we do know. We haven't actually touched on this, James. So let's quickly touch on that. Sounds like he's out for a long time. We are, I think we're talking right into the deeper echelons of this season, if this season at all. And whilst it's not the blow that it might have been because the two central midfielders are just elite, we still love to have Marv pushing them, wouldn't we? Yeah, well, he just gives up so, so much. Um, um, he makes the midfield so much more solid when he plays. And I think that we we didn't really get to see the three of them. We, we really did want to see them. We're actually lyrical when one podcast about it that we wanted to see that three. But I think the the two of those, Barkley and um, Laconga, have come in and performed so well. I mean, they they give completely different things that than Marv does. Marv will break things up, and he's so difficult to get past. And those are great qualities. Whereas um, Ross likes to play on the turn and get his head up and move forward. And I guess Lukonga is sort of a, a mix between the two of them. Well, certainly I didn't, I didn't anticipate he would be, but he can do the, the rough stuff really well. And then when he does get his head up, he can, he can pass it. So I think that's probably helped a lot, but I mean, they're going to have to, they, they've played to such high intensity levels that we're talking can they manage it throughout the whole season and God forbid one of them gets an injury, then it's a, it's a bit of a worry, but um, yeah, I mean, I asked Rob in the, in the um, FA Cup pre-match presser about how long it would be. And he said months. And really when you get to January, there ain't that many of them left, are they? So I would be very surprised if he comes back this season, to be honest. Yeah. The, this season does back up in fixtures towards the end of it. And obviously we've got two to rearrange, but the time to get up to full speed and everything else, um, if we do see Marv, it's not going to be for too much. So that's a bit of a shame. On the plus side, we have Jordan Clark back available for this game. Um, probably not going to get selected in the starting 11 in those two midfield slots like he was um, at Bolton. But he could be the wide left one should we go down that route. The availability of Jacob Brown's a bit quiet. He... Um, had an issue didn't he for the original Bolton game although he was suspended for uh, the Burnley game um, but yeah no, n- nothing with regards to his fitness ahead or after the Everton game yeah it's a bit of a, a bit of a concern that one if he's if he's out because he's so effective in certainly in the press which we briefly touched on about how Luton are going to have to get that quite spot on really against um against Brighton. So hopefully he's not out for too long. I think it was a knee uh, for the original, original game, wasn't it? That he, he was out with. So that's always a tricky one. Um, the fact he wasn't in- included at all would, would, would um, suggest, I think that the Tuesday game is going to be a, a bit too quick for him. 
yeah, that's pretty much how I see it. Or if he is selected, it would only be on the bench instead of maybe one of the youth teamers that was on the bench or rather one of the goalkeepers. We don't need two goalkeepers on the bench um, that were at um, Goodison Park. Obviously, the goalkeeper changes around in this game. Kaminsky will be back between the sticks. Um, Townsend will play. I mean, he kind of gave us a indication of who's going to play when... With the substitutions he made at Goodison Park, didn't he? Elijah went off, Doughty went off, Barkley went off, Laconga went off, Townsend went off. It was those five again protected for Tuesday. Uh, we probably knew that they were all going to play anyway. It's just that left-sided attacking role, isn't it? That probably will be Clark if Brown isn't fit, you would imagine. I wouldn't have thought he'd go Morris and Elijah in the in the same game, but he could do. You know, it's one up for the for debate because I thought Morris really did that supporting role well because when you saw the, the two of them on the team sheet you initially automatically I should say expect them to just two up front but it was more Elijah up top wasn't it with um, um, Morris one of the ones in support and I thought he played really quite well and it's it could be an option um, uh, we'll, we'll see because he hasn't really he hasn't started that many Premier League games so far, but his performances have been good coming off the bench and that's all you can ask for to put your hat in the ring for it. And it's essentially what Elijah did when he had to have a spell on the sidelines, uh, albeit he came off and scored goals. Yeah, we've never really covered this, but I don't know if it's because we had a run of away games or tough home games or whatever, but we seem to have morphed into a 3-4-2-1, don't we? Yeah. As opposed to a 5-2-3 or 5-3-2 or however it was that you saw it. It's very firmly a back three. It's very firmly that the wing backs are always in front of that back three. And it's Laconga who drifts in to make a four when they go forward. But it's definitely two behind one up front, isn't it? It always used to be one left, one right of a central man with the two wingers sort of coming back and making a four in midfield. That's definitely not the case. Now that four is made up of the two fullbacks. That's a, that's a big change, a subtle change in terms of the fact that no one's obviously noticed it and made a big thing of it, but the impact it has on us in possession in particular, we've now got, if you want four sort of banks to pass through as opposed to the before where we've, we've, we've mentioned on this podcast a few times particularly when Morris was in the side, there was 50 yards between him and anyone. Now there's lots of support for Elijah up, up there and um, we are so much the better for it, as every statistic will tell you. It is a, it is a very interesting development um, in the positive because you need to be able to tweak things in that way. You could go three at, up top, like you were saying, like it was, but in that one, it, it does feel like there is more... Um, of a pathway through the middle of the pitch when they're playing, which is good because, you know, a lot of the play does come down the wing. And when a, when a team susses that out, you're going to have to have another plan, aren't you? So um, it's a very interesting one and one to watch and keep your eye on, I think. Yep. Would agree. It's very, very fluid. And obviously the cleverness of Andros Townsend and the roles and the spaces that he can find, that's a large part of it. And actually Jordan Clark did exactly the same at Burnley as well. So um yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on that formation change. That that's something it's something that I've I have kind of noticed, but I've not really wanted to 
mention it just in case it was just i just noticed it as a sort of nuance within a game but if we let the cat out of the bag then <laughs> well i would imagine you know all these teams have got so many analysts they, they know about it, know, yeah. yeah exactly but, yeah. but no one's asked robert it hasn't really been talked of no no i think it's it's an interesting one like i say to keep a keep your eye on because um the, we've talked about evolution uh and sometimes it can be banded around a lot but really and truly if you think about um, what Edwards inherited and he didn't want to really mess about with it too much and he just sort of played to the strengths um, and he's uh, this season added different aspects of it along with the coaching staff as well and he'll credit those uh, too but it's um, it's not unnoticed when you've been playing so well and getting decent results that these little tweaks to the system are starting to emerge i think it's a very good it's very interesting uh, thing um to watch from from afar not even afar watching from watching from the state watch from the stand um but to keep your eye on it because um if we're talking about how well luton are playing and all the different things that they're doing well and that's one of them i think and I just think it's interesting because the two behind one just suits so many more players as opposed to the three, you know, the two wide alongside one. The two behind would suit Chong. He's probably not suited to being wide wide left in the way that we saw Chio against Liverpool, for mm. example. It definitely suits Clark. It would suit Townsend. Doesn't have as much ground to cover, you know, at his stage of his career. It will suit a Corley Woodrow. It will suit Carlton Morris, who can play slightly behind. It would suit Luke Berry. So many more players are suited by that. And all of pretty much all of those, with the exception of Chio that I've just mentioned, would much rather be in those roles than out-and-out wide roles. Maybe it's Brown who would prefer the out-and-out wide role. Chio also, perhaps. But there's so many more options for those two roles that it just brings the squad much more into the game. Whereas you kind of, back in the the sort of earlier part of the season, you was kind of looking at it, it was how do we get Clark into this involved in this? How do we get Chong regularly involved in this and, and a couple of others, but now you can see it because there's two spots there that they're spreading out around five or six options. Yeah. And even uh, Woodrow, we were talking in the last podcast about, how he, was, uh, he, he, he was a striker, but Nathan brought him in and thought he could play as a number 10. And, and then that role was almost made extinct by the way that they were playing. But if this is another way that he can come in and be effective, then it opens up the squad, doesn't it, more? Because we know how well the, the players have, that have been on the bench and come off and made an impact and changed games. And that would only be enhanced by if you're playing in a position that suits you more. And previously, maybe at the start of the season, they couldn't fit him in there, but now they can. Obviously, the, the ones you said, like Clark and Barry, tailor-made for that sort of stuff. But um, it's it's an impressive little tweak that sort of takes in mind all the players, all the sort of fringe players, if you like, their, their um, strengths that can really impact on this side. Yeah, it does. So that's something for... Uh, everyone to look out for on Tuesday. Um, yes, yeah, so it might well be then with that in mind that it is Morris and Elijah and Townsend as the three of those. Um, and then th- there's so much goal threat in that as well, isn't there? Because 
yeah, Morris um, has, has struggled for goals, but his confidence is up, I would say, and he's getting chances now, whereas before, when we talk about that barren spell, um, it wasn't getting any. We couldn't, I couldn't even think of the chances that he had, whereas Elijah was getting them and maybe missing them. Um, and now they're both getting them. So if he's on the pitch, we know he can assist because he's had those impacts against Sheffield United and the like, but um, the goal scorer ultimately, if he's on the pitch, you've got a great chance to stick it in the unbag. And the other thing, when you've got Carlton and you've got Eli on the pitch and you've also got Osho and you've got Mengi and you've got a couple of other tall guys on the pitch, set pieces, balls into the box, they're going to be all the more potent because we mentioned earlier in the season that we've only got one in the box in open play, playing that old formation. Well, now you're going to have two, three, four. And for a set piece, it's like Land of the Giants in there, isn't it? And that is particularly big on Tuesday because this lot are very poor at defending crosses. They they really, I mean, you would think when you look at them, Lewis Dunk at the back, they'll be absolutely fine. But their record defending crosses and set pieces is not good. It's, it's really, really bad. And, um, well, there aren't many better sides in English football at set pieces than Luton right now. And, Alfie's going to, you know, he could have a field day with these set pieces and crosses from open play, particularly um, particularly at Kenilworth Road, particularly in the atmosphere that we're going to be um, creating on Tuesday night. And also they didn't have to deal with Doughty in the first game because he wasn't in the starting lineup, was Very he? Very uh, I think he came on, didn't he? If he I remember did. rightly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, they were sort of comfortable towards the end of the game. So they wouldn't have to, they wouldn't have had to deal with that for sure. But, um, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so important. Luton's wide play and Luton's crossing and, and set pieces. And, um, if they can cause havoc and in that side, then, then that, that's one way, uh, to get at them because they are very, very good with the ball. And, um, you can have to work hard to, to nullify them on that, but then, break quickly I guess I mean hopefully it's not all that it's not all counter because I think Luton have grown into a team that can probably try and influence the game but if it is if and when they do have that Liverpool style not Liverpool the team but when we played Liverpool um, the the way they counted in that game was so so impressive and very quick and obviously that ultimately led to the to the Chong goal didn't it so there's there's the op- options there yeah and they are very good with the ball, but they do take risks, particularly at the back. And we're just the kind of side that, well, you know, will sort of reel them in and trigger them at some point. And I think there's joy for us in this game. I do. I mean, obviously, the question mark is how many we can keep them to because they're a good side. But I would be very surprised if we don't score and potentially score multiple times in this game. I think we are looking at a high scoring game. I know their last two games have been nil-nil. I don't see that here. Well, I think they still average two goals a game. Uh, I was trying not uh, yeah. to bring that up. But it's yeah. two point something goals a game, which is, is still impressive considering a lot of their recent uh, results have been 1-1, but shows how many goals they were scoring at the start of the season, I suppose, doesn't it? And it shows how uh, potent they were, which obviously is a threat and you have to, you have to work again, work to nullify that. But, it is going to be really fascinating tactical battle, I think. Whereas, I'm not, I'm not sure you could really say that in the first part of the season. We knew how Luton were going to play, and we were comfortable with it. 
but in this evolution period and also in the in the sense of finding out where you are in comparison to that first game there's a lot more tactic tactical um elements to this one i think i think that became a thing after brentford didn't it i think you know with arsenal we went toe to toe with them then lakonga came back and he just gives so many options tactically whether it's him who goes forward and drives with the ball whether it's barkley whether it's the wide players and lakonga sits in you often see lakonga picking the ball up in the right center back position these days and playing that diagonal straight away to Alfie Doughty, that's been a, a real thing. Obviously, he'll pick it up in midfield and he'll thread passes and things like that. He's a, he doesn't get the credit because Ross Barkley's in the team, but he's a big, big player for Luton Town now, Lukonga, and it, and it interested me that Rob said he's he'd definitely buy him, but it's something we'll look at at a later date because if we can get him and Barkley's here for longer, as we had confirmed to us by Wilco, the shoots of a really, really good Premier League cider right there, isn't it? The seeds are planted. We're just waiting now for that tree to grow and it's growing quicker than, well, any of us could ever have imagined. Yeah, all over the pitch. It's it, it's it, it's so remarkable. I mean, we sound like a broken record the amount of talk we're giving to this process, but it has been so quick and, and impressive and Lokonga as well. He still hasn't really played that many games because he had that big long layoff because of the the hamstring injury, but when he's come back in, he's been superb. And you're right, when you're talking about that transition, he, him and Barkley can make that happen from the defence to the attack really quickly and accurately. And it's almost like um, the old boxing analogy, isn't it? If the right one don't get you, the left one's gonna. Absolutely, yeah. We've got two potent hooks uh, now, that is for sure. Um yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to this game from the game of football that it's going to be, but I'm really looking forward to seeing an exact measurement because, okay, we've we've seen how improved we've been against Burnley and against Everton, the two sides that we've played more than once in this league, but with no disrespect to them, they're not the greatest of benchmarks. This one would be a... If, you're, if you've improved significantly against a Brighton side who aren't going to be any worse than what they were at their place they'll just have different personnel doing the same thing. That is a real confidence thing for the rest of the season. And let's not forget, this is a big, big night on Tuesday night. Everton are at Fulham, who've got a point to prove, having lost out in two cups in the last week. Nottingham Forest host Arsenal. We could come out of Tuesday night, out of the bottom three, with so much positivity. And I'm, so I'm really, really looking forward to Tuesday night. I am as well, absolutely. That's why I think that the... Um, the impact of that Woodrow goal has huge ramifications, knock-on ramifications, as it did when he did scored the the Norwich goal last season. Last-minute goals always do, but the the confidence factor that it gives, and if Luton can bounce into this and, and get a result, um, and if it is going to be high scoring, we haven't done the predictions yet, but like you say, it's going to be high scoring. Um, it's going to be an exciting one for sure. Um, so I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to it because I think immediately after that first game, if you said you were going to have to play Brighton again, you'd feel a bit <laughs> concerned because they were very good. And they will be still be, be very good on Tuesday, but Luton have improved so much. We have, and hopefully we'll find out exactly in sort of on-pitch evidence of that even though we all know that it is, we'll, we'll kind of see the margins of 
that improvement with our own eyes. You just mentioned score predictions then. Let's finish off this podcast with the score predictions. I'll let you go first as you're going for two on the trot. Um, <laughs> Luton versus Brighton. How does it finish? I do too think I do think it's going to be high scoring as well. Um, but I fancy Luton to nick it. So I'm going to go for a very ambitious 3-2. All the great Luton wins are 3-2. Pretty much five years to the night of the Portsmouth game as well it will be, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Which was also 3-2. Uh, if we get the half the excitement of that Portsmouth game, if Ross Barkley wants to score a free kick, it's not going to snow, Fortunately, it's not going to snow. Um, but everything else is all made up for a similar night to that Portsmouth night. Yeah, I think it'll be high scoring as well. It's exactly the same score I'm going for. 3-2 to Luton. Um, it's just our score, isn't it? 3-2. It is. 3-2 Luton. Um, yeah, 3-2 both ways then for uh, me and James. We're expecting high scoring game, which is in contrast to their last two games. As I say, Drew nil nil. How do you see it going? Uh, plenty of correct score predictions have come our way in the last two league game uh, podcasts. Uh, so give us a shout out. Haven't given you much time to do this one. We apologise for that. It's not our fault. Some idiot's gone and stuck a midweek game in there when we <laughs> could have had a free um, Premier League game last weekend. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? But um yeah, hopefully we've given you enough time to give you a score prediction. Let us have it. As always, we will shout you out in the review podcast, which we will have out Thursday morning or Thursday at some point, depending on how much news may or may not break on Wednesday. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Just a few things to quickly tidy up. Uh, unfortunately, the trust quiz uh, for Thursday night has had to be postponed due to unforeseen circumstances. It was pretty hectic time anyway. So uh, on uh, evidence of some feedback from our members, we've decided to push it back because obviously it's three games this week. It's an under 21 game as well. And people just can't be out every single night of the week. There is a new date in the pipeline. We'll obviously advertise that as soon as we've got it confirmed with the club. So the quiz will take place. It just will not take place on Thursday. Yeah, if you want a refund on your ticket, then uh, that is available. Or if you want to wait until the new date's confirmed and then decide that that's also up to you. Please keep all of your comments coming. Uh, I have keep on forgetting to do it, but when we shouted out John from Australia previously, James, we were inundated with people from Australia and New Zealand telling us that they watch the podcast from Australia and New Zealand. It's absolutely fantastic to have so many of you international uh, viewers and subscribers. Give us a shout out wherever it is that you watch this um, podcast from. We'd love to know. A couple in LA as well. Yeah, we'd love to know the far reaches of the world where you're watching or listening to uh, this podcast, just sort of for our own nosiness, really, if that's a word, just (laughs) to uh, see how far and wide we're getting. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed. There will be details of that um, giveaway that we've promised you in the pipeline. When we announce the details, you'll know exactly why there's just a slight delay. Just one or two dates need to be uh, cleared up for us before we can uh, get that out there and sort it out. Uh, as always uh, trust memberships are available particularly if you're an overseas member if you've got a supporters group um 
then we are uh, doing international hatters. There's a there's a whole sort of section on our website for all, where we promote all of the international supporters groups. So if you meet up and watch Luton games, or even if you don't, there's just a few of you. Let us know, and we'll make sure that we get you on our uh, website and try and help you sort of publicise your group. As you can see down in the front, or you could have done before we zoomed in earlier, the Scandinavian hatters are obviously popular overseas um, supporters, and we love having those, and we're looking forward to having those back later in the season too so give us a shout out wherever it is you're from in the world we really appreciate all your support the the japanese supporter um trust might be uh very keen in 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 few in a few games that time if the transfer news comes through about um the international player who i've still not memorized the name of absolutely town are gonna go big in uh well asia i guess daiki hashioka now, I can't say any opposition names, but I've got this guy sorted out. I haven't checked Pitsy, though. I might be butchering it if I am. I apologise. He <laughs> don't un- probably doesn't understand me, so that's all good anyway. But that is it for this episode of the podcast. Let us have your score predictions. Let us know where it is in the world that you're following us from. Uh, we'll give you a shout out if you're successful. In the review podcast, do keep subscribing, please. Although we've gone past a 1,000, the more subscribers we can get, the better guests we can get for you. Uh, And as I said in previous podcasts, give us a shout out who you'd like to see on the podcast and we'll do our very best to make that happen. Thanks for your company, James. Really hope that the game that we've previewed is the game that we watch and it's not one of their (laughs) nil-nil draws that we've, uh, that, that, that they've, um, succumbed us to previously um, thanks to the Hightown Club as always for hosting the podcast to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music are you giving it another plug? Yeah why not um, if you like the intro music then Sean Grant and the Wolfgang will be playing live at the castle in Luton Town Centre on Thursday that's as part of the independent venue week lineup of shows that the um, the venue have got there which is a massive coup for Luton as the only venue in Bedfordshire to do it and um, it's um, part of their drive to make that into a proper uh, small room grassroots live music venue for Luton because we haven't really got any so um, get yourself down to that that's um, on part of the uh, vandalism begins at home lineup so um, I'll be there get down in front yep Great to support the uh, Luton music scene, get it thriving once again. So if uh, you do enjoy the intro music, that might well be for you. And obviously to Ed Smith, uh, creative for all the designs that you see on set. Until next time, uh, which will be, as I say, hopefully at some point on Thursday, well, it will be at some point on Thursday uh, for the review of this Brighton match. Until then, enjoy the game if you're going, be loud and proud and come on you hatters. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're Luton people.